in India, a small group of believers was trying to come together to worship and learn about Jesus. But because of intense persecution, no pastor could even visit their village. Aaron Miller tells us about the courageous young man who saw a need and stepped up when no official pastor was available. This teenage young man, new in his faith, stepped in and said, well, I'll stand in front of the group and hold a Bible and we'll read. He led them in reading God's Word and he led them in talking about God's Word. Was he theologically prepared? By my standards and other standards, no, he wasn't. But there was a need, there was a, a, a gap in leadership and he stood in the gap. And I think that's what cost him his life. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, this week with Aaron Miller. Aaron has been with us before. He is the Regional Director for South and Central Asia and Latin America here at The Voice of the Martyrs. So he oversees uh, our projects in hostile and restricted nations in those parts of the world. Aaron, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. It's always good to be with you. How is coronavirus affecting the countries of your region? I know we had Brother Benny just a few weeks ago talking about India, talking about the national lockdown and all the economic calamity that has gone on there. How is it affecting other places where where you work? It's had a tremendous impact on what we do just day to day, even travel uh, for a lot of our staff, a lot of our partners, a lot of people that we love to go and visit. We can't go visit. We've had to find other ways to connect. So in those ways, you know, it's been difficult because we can't do what we've always done. However, that has given an opportunity for our staff to be creative. And in some ways, we have even more intentionally connected to our key uh, partners, our key ministry leaders, um, and our staff around the world. So in a strange way, I feel more connected to some of our brothers and sisters around the world, even though I can't be in a, a church building with them or I can't be in a village with them. I had a chance to to have a prayer time with a sister over a, a video conference where, you know, there were four of us on that call and we were all in different cities and wow. around the world. And so that was really kind of a unique thing that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So that that's one way how it's affected us. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned our partners because we we think about the fact that you can't get on an airplane and go to some of these places, but also our partners who are maybe in a city can't go out to the village to meet the person who's just been impacted by persecution. So it's, it's not just a matter of VOM staff can't travel from America. It's also within these countries travel has gotten a lot harder. Correct. Correct. And that has been a a challenge. You know, all of us who are involved in this ministry, our hearts are involved in it. And so when something happens, if if a a key 
person on our team is in one city and something happens two or three cities away, they want to get in a car, they want to get on a train, they want to get on a plane and go there immediately, and they can't do it. People have begun to pray more fervently. We have you know, been more intentional in connecting through uh, social media and other things, other ways to connect and communicate. And so it has had that impact on all of us, even those who are in a country but can't get to an area where the, there's a need. There have been some reports, and I've heard some stories of places within your region where aid is sort of being used as a functional way to persecute. You know, hey, you Christians, you're at the back of the line for hand, or you Christians, you can't have this, or maybe you should become a Hindu again, and then you can yeah. get aid. Are you hearing those stories as well? We are. We're hearing those stories from places like India, Bangladesh, um, and it it's definitely happening. And it, it's a challenge for us to know how do we come alongside those believers. And and the need is great. I mean, the 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 scope of the need is almost tr- overwhelming. <laughs> well, and I I was going to say it it is overwhelming. And you know, we have a big God, and we have a great God, and we pray. And we're asking him to do amazing things. But there are definitely days where I just, you know, my head is in my hands in some ways. And I just think, I don't know what to do with this. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Aaron. He is the regional director for South and Central Asia and Latin America here at the Voice of the Martyrs. Aaron, have you seen some blessings that have come directly out of some of these challenges, because like you say, you can't get on an airplane. There's other challenges that have come up in the last four months due to the virus. Have you seen some blessings grow out of those? We have. There was a a pastor in Central Asia who had been notified that he was going to be interrogated. He needed to report to an office, a government office, for a meeting. They just had some questions for him. He knew what that meant, and so he was very nervous and asked for prayer for that. And our contacts shared with us that when the news of the coronavirus hit and lockdowns began and and things were spreading, they delayed that meeting for him. So he just kept doing the ministry that he could do, you know, in in a way that he could do it, but just kept doing it. And so it almost distracted the government Uh from him, and he could continue to do what God called him to do. I wish that was happening in every country, that that the government was so focused on the virus, they didn't have time to persecute Christians. Let's talk about India, because uh, there is a lot that has gone on in the last few weeks, and uh, I know I had a chance, we had a chance to hear a report this week, three different Christians in three different states, different parts of India— all killed for their faith in the last six weeks. Talk a little bit about what's happening there. Todd, you know my heart for India, and the listeners, if they've heard me before, when I talk about India, my there's a different tone in my voice. There's a different passion that I have for that country, having lived there and, and loved the people there. And I'm stunned at what we're seeing happen now, the violence. You know, there are certain parts of the world you expect to hear violent stories. India was not one of those places for many, many years. You would hear occasionally, but now we're seeing the violence is increasing. It's not just that they're picking out a pastor and 
and maybe doing something violent to him for a little bit. It's this is violently taking life, like extremely. It's almost indescribable for me. And it's not just a pastor. It's it's a church member is pulled out of a prayer meeting. Uh, people are being pulled out of homes. And it's really sort of rocking us as we kind of look at India and we think, okay, we're watching this thing change before our eyes. And your listeners are familiar because we've kept them informed. India's been changing. And I, and I know we've said that a lot, but it's even taking another step of a change that I don't know that I was really prepared for, but the, the violent level uh, that citizens can commit against other citizens of the country is really alarming to me. One of the things that struck me about uh, these three men who were killed just in the last few weeks, two of them at least were fairly young, one of them not even 20 years old. Correct. It's not like they had been Christians for 20 years to prepare no. themselves. Uh, in one case, came to faith in 2017, in one case in 2018, yep. and yet they were already willing to die for Christ. I, I just was so impacted by that. Yes. The young man who was not even 20, when a pastor could not come into his village to continue preaching because of opposition. Because of persecution, he was, yeah. He was the pastor was coming in from the outside, and he was prevented from doing that because of the opposition. Then this teenage young man, new in his faith, stepped in and said, well, I, I'll stand in front of the group and hold a Bible, and we'll read. He led them in reading God's Word, and he led them in talking about God's Word. Was he theologically prepared? I, by my standards and other standards, no, he wasn't. But there was a need. There was a, a, a gap in leadership, and he stood in the gap. And I think that's what cost him his life. The other story from, from these that, that really impacted me is, is the man who had faced opposition. He'd been dragged before the village elders. They'd pressured him, you know, you've got to deny Christianity. You, we don't do that in our village. He told his wife, they're not going to give up. This yep. is going to keep getting worse. Yeah. But he said to his wife, even if they kill me, I want to make sure, honey, that you keep following Jesus Christ. That's right. The thing that really impacts me is that, he, A, he knew this is going to happen. I mean, he's telling. They're not going yes. to give up. Yes. But even if they kill me, go ahead and keep following Jesus. Just the thought that he knew the risks and kept serving and even— had the heart and had the foresight to try to prepare his wife for his own martyrdom, it just it really is kind of mind-blowing to me. And oh, as a godly husband, he was preparing her not in an earthly sense. He was preparing her in an eternal sense. He was saying, I know this will be difficult for you to go through. How it will play out, I expect it will be extremely difficult for you. But stay faithful. Stay confident in Christ, stay focused on Christ. I mean, that to me is so, uh, it, it is inspiring. We, we use that word a lot, and I know it, it could get overused, but it, it is so inspiring, especially during these days where all of us can get so distracted and become earthly focused. You know, um, there's so many things going on, on in the world that we could get focused on and for, for that husband to take that leadership and to lead her 
to say, please stay faithful to Christ, even if the worst happens. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Aaron Miller. He is the Regional Director for South and Central Asia here at Voice of the Martyrs. Aaron, how does it work at Voice of the Martyrs when we get a report like these that we've just shared? Hey, this person, this evangelist has just been killed. This pastor has just been killed in India. What's the sort of the mechanics of how you and and our staff respond to those situations? Yeah, so we, we will get reports, and, and many times our guys are so connected to people in the fields, people who live there. They can be, you know, expatriates who are living in the country or they're indigenous local church leaders who are in the country, and they will reach out to us because they know us, they know what we do, and they'll let us know. And if when our guys hear the story and the story's the same from all different perspectives, then then we know okay, this is real, this is how this really happened, and this is definitely persecution. And then we start to connect with the, the best people in, the, in those places who know the situation, who know how to help appropriately, and we start to ask the questions, okay, what can we do? How do we help you in this? What's the needs that the family has? What are the needs that the local church is having? And so then we just go through the process of, of doing our best to get them the help they need as quickly as possible and in a way that doesn't create more risk for those who are there. You know, if you uh, suddenly just airdrop, you know, a a large uh, amount of dollars into a village, well, that wouldn't make sense. And that would that would potentially put that church at more risk. And so our guys are so good at, at figuring out and following the Lord's leadership, but also just their wisdom and their experience of many, many years trying to figure out how do we help, how do we do it appropriately. And, and how so, do we do it without making more problems. Exactly, That's, exactly. I I like that you emphasize the contacts that already exist. Yes. We don't have to go find a way. We already have a way to hear about these stories and then to be able to get help back into a village, back to yes. a widow who's just lost her husband. Yeah. That, that is what comes out of, you know, having done this for 50-plus years. That's and, right and built up those contacts. Is there a sense of why this violence is happening in India? I mean, you mentioned that things have changed and are changing, but it's fairly unusual for us to have three martyrdoms in a six-week span in India. Right. Do you have a sense of why? You know, we've asked ourselves that question, and a theory, I don't have anything to really base this on except just asking others and and hearing from others, my own kind of experiences. I think the uncertainty in the world is creating more uh, tension within people. It's creating more doubt, more fear. They're trying to control uh, what they can. And, you know, it it has been said before that – you know, in in certain places in South Asia, Christians have been told, oh, this virus is in our village because of you. You've brought this. You've brought the curse of, of other gods in Hinduism. Or, um, and so, you know, they've been blamed a little bit. But I just think people are searching and they're trying to figure this out. And there's so much tension. They're locked down. There's economic stress. They're, they're under trial. And, you know, we have God's Word, and, and God's Word in James tells us, blessed is the man who's under trial, and, and he stands, when he stands under that trial. 
Well, these guys, the lost, they're under trial and they don't have anything to stand on. They don't. They are so without hope, mm-hmm. and, desperate, and and all of these things that are happening in the world, the circumstances in our world today, I think, are just leading them to be more and more desperate, and the actions become more desperate, and and they do things like very very violent acts against Christians. And all three of these who were killed were not people who just stayed at home and quietly read their Bible. They were people who shared their faith. They told other people, Absolutely. I'm a follower of Jesus, you should follow Jesus as well. So in that context, they're seen as a threat. They're, they're bringing Absolutely. more trouble. Absolutely. Um, Todd, your comment makes me think of a lady that I just, I was, just became aware of her story in Nepal. She was attending a church that was several kilometers away, a couple villages away, and it was just too far for her. And she thought, you know what? I, I don't want to keep going far away to church and worship, so I'm going to start one here in my own village. So she did that, and the church grew. The church was starting to have an impact in the community. Community leaders didn't like it, and so they started to put pressure on her and tell her, don't do this, don't, or if you're going to do it, don't, don't invite others, you know, and, but she wouldn't stop. And so it ended up with her being stoned, taken to a hospital, and we were able to help her and she's in recovery now, but she wasn't being quiet. She wasn't content with, oh, I'll just go quietly to a vill- to another village and go attend a worship service. No, she wanted to have a church in her village and be able to worship and, and share the gospel with others there. What is her health prognosis? She will recover? Yes, yeah, I mean, she, is, she that... is recovered. There, there were uh, many stitches in her head. There is some, uh, some neck uh, and head things that are still going on that, that she'll need treatment for a little bit longer. You know, the pastor who is working with her, he is encouraging her, walking with her through God's Word, how to forgive. Um, and, you know, these are real people. We talk about mm-hmm. that all the time. They're not heroes. And so she's struggling to forgive. And even the, the pastor of the little church that she was key in starting in her village, you know, he's fearful of more attacks. Right. So there's a, an outside pastor who's kind of mentoring and leading and helping all of them know, hey, keep trusting Christ, be forgiving, you know, have patience, watch, be faithful, and uh, watch what the Lord will do. It seems like it's easy to sit here and in our comfortable little studio here and think, yeah, she really should forgive those people. But, I mean, p- put yourself in that position. Absolutely. They literally tried to stone her to death. Yes. And, uh, I mean, how do you set aside that animosity and say, okay, I forgive you for that, even though you tried to kill me? That's the Holy Spirit. Like, Absolutely. Through. Absolutely. And who knows what God will do with that forgiveness, because we hear so many stories of forgiveness being the seed that leads to revival, that leads to more people coming to faith. So uh, I would encourage our listeners to pray for that woman in Nepal who is recovering physically, also trying to forgive. You talked about the pastors and the leaders. How are they being affected right now, or, or what are their challenges as they have to do ministry differently than they did six months ago? We're hearing reports that that pastors are growing weary of trying to be creative in new ways, how to do ministry. 
Some of them don't have the technology that we have. They don't have the the means to do online services the way a lot of our churches in our communities have been able to do and do fairly quickly and, and with some consistency. So if they do have the technology or they do have, you know, internet or the, the resources to do it, it's not always consistent. And so they, they can't count on it all the time, even electricity at times. So so I think they're really struggling. Now that this has, has been going on several months, um, we're hearing that they're weary, they're tired, getting to all the church members to visit them in small groups or, or you know, in their homes is difficult when you can't travel. Um, we heard of one pastor who was just heartbroken because some key members of his church uh, passed away and he couldn't go visit. He couldn't go and minister to them in the way God has called him to. And, and that just really affected him. You know, he, he wanted to do that. That's what he's called. That's his passion. And so when he couldn't do that, it really discouraged him. So we're, we're, we're hearing that from the pastors. So I would ask people just please pray for the pastors as they continue to try to figure out how do they minister to their congregations? How do they minister to their communities in, in these days? You know, I suspect that many of our listeners can identify with that sense of weariness. I think yes. uh, as we think about, you know, the virus and we think about, oh, lockdown, stay home, don't stay home. I think many of us are weary uh, of, of all of this that's going on. So I hope that kind of grabs our heart to pray for those who are also weary, but are weary in ministry and weary uh, also facing persecution. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Aaron Miller. He's the Regional Director for South and Central Asia. Aaron, are there other ways that we can pray for your region? We've talked about these families in India that have lost loved ones. Uh, We've talked about this woman in Nepal. We've talked about pastors dealing with the changes, dealing with the frustrations and the weariness. What other ways can you equip our listeners to pray right now? I think praying— all of us will stay focused on those eternal things. I've shared with you, Todd, and others that, you know, this has just been a season of feeling distracted. And I think our brothers and sisters on the field feel the same way. And we could feel the same way to be distracted and not not be as focused on prayer for them. So I would just say, you know, pray that they would stay focused in the ministry. Pray that we would also stay attentive and, and intentional in our prayer efforts for them. So I think praying for governments to continue to maybe be distracted with bigger <laughs> issues to deal with is a good thing. Help, um, help us not to be distracted and help the police in hostile and restricted great, nations to be distracted. There we go. That's a great way to put it. So people are reaching out and giving hope. We, we've seen in India, we've seen in Bangladesh, we've seen in Central Asia that Christians are taking this opportunity to reach out and to give hope to people. And so pray for that. Pray that their message would be clear, that hearts would be opened at just the right time to hear it, that you know these days that are so uncertain would lead the church to give hope and to give peace and to you know lead people to Christ. If we were sitting here with our brothers and sisters asking them, how do you want us to pray for you? I think they would say that, that we would be faithful to, to continue to reach out and advance God's kingdom. And I think that's a great prayer for 
our American churches too. Uh, we Amen. also are in a situation where people need hope, and and we have that to offer. So uh, I, I hope that resonates with our listeners. Aaron, it is always fun when we get to have these conversations. Thank you for your work, and thank you for sharing with us. And uh, I hope, I pray, someday soon you're able to get on an airplane again. Uh, But until then, I appreciate you helping us uh, connect with our brothers and sisters in Central and South Asia. Thank you so much, Todd. Appreciate what you do and, and how you're leading us to reach out. You've been listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you are just joining us, as always, you can hear this entire conversation with Brother Aaron at vomradio.net. That's our website, vomradio.net, or just search for VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to be back next week with the leader of Operation Mobilization. We'll hear about their work around the world and how they are encouraging and growing the church again, even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of all of the challenges. We'll hear that next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.